Listen to something fresh. Listen to Salam Media. Welcome back to the special focus. Welcome back to Salam Media. I'm Zahid Jadwit, keeping you company this afternoon until 4 p.m. Now, education is a major aspect of every country. In South Africa, it has been praised, encouraged and respected, I think. This is due to the fact that many South African parents come from a previously disadvantaged background and were never granted access to decent education. However, despite the praise, the real issues challenging the education system and schooling in South Africa were exposed for what they, were, uh, what they are when a team of activist cyclists embarked on a long and arduous journey from Musina in Limpopo to Chatsworth in KZN for this year's Ride for Education campaign. One of them was Salam Foundation's CEO, Azhar Wadi, and he joins us uh, on the line this afternoon to speak about um, education in South Africa. And we are also joined by um, Namgamso Mtsatse. She's a researcher at the University of Stellenbosch, as well as being the head of versioning at Funda Wande. And let me introduce Sheryl Das, Regional Director of Legal Resources Center in Cape Town. Sheryl, thanks for joining us today and thanks to all of you for joining us. Um, Sheryl, let's start with you. Um, we are aware that the education system in South Africa is um, is facing challenges, right? But based on the quality of education which is being taught to our students and learners right now, what do you predict for the future of uh, for the future generation based on the education quality of today? Look, I, I think um, to say that you know, speaking, you know, following all the key speeches that that that, that preceded me, um, and if you really look, you have to go back. You can't really talk about quality without going back um, mm -hmm. to 1994 um, and and determining whether government has changed radically, changed the unequal. Um, distribution of resources in the education sector. And I think the, the previous speaker alluded to the to the fact that there has been unequal distribution of resources, particularly in uh, low-key low schools. And um, the first speaker has asked, talked about rural schools and how, you know, it reflects on poor infrastructure, lack of learner support materials, um, lack of uh, science and, and computer equipment, and all of those things stem back from one issue, which is about resources. You know, the South African government post-1994 has pumped a lot of money into the um, education system, but the, um, the results um, are shortcoming. So we haven't seen the results of what they deem to be a pro-poor uh, resourcing model. and you know, we definitely don't see it as a proper model. You know, and when I say let's take a step back and and we look at what the policy was post-1994 tried to address, it was trying to address the inequality in, in education distribution. Mm -hmm. And that that ended up being a model of of, um, of of government putting what they deem to be more resources in poorer schools. Um, but what we see here is the, uh, the continuous system that favors already privileged learners. And, and as a result, South Africa still structurally maintains one of the most unequal systems in the world. So that 
has an effect on the quality of education. Between these four schools, we do not have the best qualified teachers. Um, we don't have the best um, resources, which is, you know, throughout education, we have, uh, you know, courts have pronounced that uh, access to education doesn't necessarily mean just having a school, it means having proper infrastructure, it means having a textbook, it means having a computer, it means having a computer lab, it means having the same resources that you would have in previously white privileged um, areas. And of course, that would perhaps um, explain why private uh, students in private schools seem to excel better than students in um, public schools. Now, as as you've highlighted poverty as a major contribu- a major challenge in ed- in the education system, what impact does poverty have on schooling and the education system as a whole? Asal. Well, let's let just look at it. I mean, on this particular ride, we met learners, uh, for example, in the area, then in a primary school called, or intermediary school called Shluma Intermediary. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of them would uh, come or live in a, a dump yard uh, that's uh, close by to the school. So every day after school, uh, they go and forage uh, for something to eat in the leftovers of other people's rubbish. Uh, you can imagine the impact that that has on a learner, uh, you know, just trying to survive. And, and stay alive, let alone, you know, strive for a good education. Then there were learners in that particular school also who would walk 10 kilometers to school and 10 kilometers back from school every day. In a, in a week, it's, it's 100 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And in a simple month, it's 400 kilometers. 4,000-odd kilometers in a year. And if you look at over, over 12 years of schooling, it's up to 48,000 kilometers. Now, a learner is supposed to come, uh, you know, energized to school, mentally alert, ready to absorb and to interact and to, to be part of the education system and mm-hmm. to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you, you go home with uh, perhaps homework and we know the amounts of homework, copious amounts of homework that learners sometimes get. They have projects to do, there's so much to do. Uh, and now you, you, you've got to walk 10 kilometers uh, and because there's no transport system, there's no efficient public transport, uh, there's no school scholar transport. Uh, you can now imagine that learner has to compete with somebody in a very, very privileged position uh, who's living within, the, you know, two or three hundred meters from a top-class school, mm-hmm. three four meals a day, uh, who's got the complete support of family and society and all, uh, you know, uh, the general population. Everything is just in favor of that child. Now, by the time you get to matric, you have to write the same exam. And uh, if you get 30%, I think, sometimes may even be looked upon as an achievement. And when you get learners who under those crazy circumstances still manage to excel, it just shows the depth of quality that we have in South Africa in terms of the learners uh, and, and their determination, personal determination that they put in to do well, uh, coming through all of those kinds of circumstances. So this is the direct impact uh, of poverty, of the you know lack of uh, resources from around them, not necessarily even in the school. Uh, that, that learners have to overcome in South Africa. And this is what we experienced on our right side. And, uh, Sheryl, another question that would arise is, can an education system be influenced by money? Does it really matter how much the government spends on education? Because, I mean, um, c- countries like the UK and the United States, um, they 
they send much less money towards education than we do in South Africa. Um, 15% of South Africa's total budget was spent on basic education um, in the last 12 months that ended March 2016. So this is about 213.7 billion rand. However, the United States and um, the UK, uh, as I mentioned earlier, they they allocate much less to education. So does it really matter how much money is allocated to education? Sharad? I think that, you know, um, you, you're absolutely uh, right about the, the South Africa spending, uh, and I think it was a, it was a very decisive action on the part of the government, hopefully on the point of realizing what the right to basic education actually means to improve our economy, improve the socioeconomic circumstances of persons living in poverty, particularly a large number of, of black South Africans. But, you know, we haven't seen the results of the money put into the system. So I would have to say that, that yes, it is a, you have to contribute, you have to put in um, a lot of resources to address the past inequality, in, in education resources, like school infrastructure. It's important that learners are able to learn in a viable environment. But if I look at the South African context, mm -hmm. I will say that the money has not been used properly because of, uh, you know, because of the corruption levels, because of the tendering processes, uh, a lot of bureaucracy. You know, the South African government actually had a conditional grant, a special grant for school infrastructure, which year on year, the provinces like the Eastern Cape failed to deliver. Uh, to both schools to um, eradicate restrictions in 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 the and in Popo. So all of these all of this money has been pumped in, but we haven't seen the results. So yes, money is needed, but also accountability on the part of government to make sure that the money is actually properly allocated and properly used. Interesting point you mentioned there, you make there is that uh, the money is needed and it has been pumped in, but we are not seeing the results that we uh, inter we want to see. So how could this money um, have been used differently that we could have seen the results that we want, Sharal? So, so, so one of the, you know one of the crucial things is to improve school infrastructure, particularly in the corner provinces. You know, because even the um, uh, Eastern Cape. Um, Limpopo, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the long distance the students have to travel. There has been no money put into uh, improving access to an actual school building in the area in Kozumanatau. Uh, people are, you know, children are walking through rivers and mountains and um, walking home. Sure. Um, but, but there is no fire Sure. So, so all of these things need government accountability. It's about uh, cutting the bureaucracy or having, uh, you know, duplicating procurement processes um, when and, and putting out tenders um, to contractors that are not qualified to build schools and not providing proper assessment. For example, in the Eastern Cape. Um, you know, it would cost about 23 million rand to build a school, but they haven't assessed whether or not they needed a school that accommodates 10,000 learners or a school that accommodates 250 learners. Um, so the, the level of, or the lack of accountability, particularly in poorly resourced provinces like the Eastern Cape, is a problem. 
um, and maybe if it involves or expertise on the part of the, the Department of Basic Education. Okay. Um, can, I, can I just can I just quickly come in there? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, just on the poverty uh, on the poverty um, points there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, there is a massive effect that's happening in the schools, just like as well I tell it to. The richer get richer and the poor get poorer, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the key things about the financing and uh, money being pumped into the education, first of all, majority of our budget, national budget, is allocated to the to education. So it's crucial that our government or the or, or the expenditure within the education department needs to be focused and specific. They need, if you look at some of the policies, the NDP plans, there are almost 30 things on that list. Mm-hmm. We, just last week, we witnessed the, the, the minister, yet again, cutting the budget and alluding mm-hmm. to the wage um, wage bill being also being cut. So it's about high time that government has to be specific. It needs to prioritize and also uh, part and parcel of the infrastructure, but start investing in things that can yield better learning outcomes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Another thing is that we, we, if you look at if you look at the provincial financials, a lot of money has been pumped in into interventions at the last uh, three years of um, basic schooling. Right. We've seen and literature shows around the world that if if, if basically pre- uh, prevention is better than cure, you know, if we're trying to better these learning outcomes as a system, we need to start channeling more focus and um, reshuffling, because we're not going to get additional money. <laughs> There's absolutely mm. no way with our financial crisis that we, we could expect additional money from Treasury. But it's to look at the current budget and reprioritize and shuffle that to a more of, you know, the earlier interventions, if we can get the reading and the numeracy right from the beginning, and hopefully by the end of um, the schooling here, it, we would see those results. Uh, all right, let's move on now. In terms of the fourth industrial revolution, um, are, are we really transforming the, so to say, old school classroom with one that is adapted to meet the demands of the fourth industrial revolution, um, Gamso? Look, we cannot deny that we're living in a, in a, in a, in a globalized world and it's very crucial that we, we keep with the changing times, right? Mm-hmm. But when I, when I actually heard the president not even mention one word of reading or numeracy instead was in, was um, alluding to the fact that you should be doing robotics at a very earlier age, and etc. Which is which is I don't take away the importance of those types of subjects. Definitely. However, kids are still unable to read or count. Mm-hmm. These are basic skills that no matter which industry or which field you go into, you will need. If you're an engineer, you need to be able to read. If you are an accountant, you'll be able to do basic mathematics and so forth. These are basic skills that one needs to be able to just function in the world in general. So, yet again, I want to allude in, in, into this. We need to prioritize. We need to get our basics right first before we can um, really steer funding and focus to your bigger picture um, goals. Mm. We need things that can be sustainable in the system rather than just an intermediate solution to the education crisis in South Africa. So the fourth industrial revolution, it is great. It's mm. part of the changing times. However, we need to be realistic of where we are as a country, where our majority of the learners, which is the 66% of the learners in the UNOC, 
little sheep paying schools where they are. All right. And we, we need to address that. All right. A very important point there that we need to be realistic about the current situation and we need to embrace the fourth industrial revolution. Azhar, that's a really important point and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, but let's take a quick break and when we get back, we will get to that. Stay tuned. Listen to something fresh. Listen to Salam Media. Welcome back. We were in an intense discussion regarding uh, education in South Africa and we should continue this discussion now. Uh, just a reminder, my guests this afternoon are Azhar Vadi, CEO of Salam Foundation. Um, we also have Namgamso Matate. She's a researcher at Stellenbosch University as well as being the head of versioning at uh, Fundawande. And we have Sheral Das who is a who is the head of uh, the regional head of Legal Resources Center in Cape Town? Asar, just before the break, uh, the break, what Gamso um, Mutate mentioned was that we need to find a balance between um, keeping up with the fourth industrial revolution as well as um, making sure we have the basics right. So, what are your thoughts on this? Absolutely, I, I agree uh, fully with that uh, sentiment. Uh, in fact, uh, you know the. So much of attention that's given, like as you mentioned, to the tertiary level of education, uh, and uh, once the, the percentage of learners that actually get to, to to that stage is very very small, whereas the bulk of the learners uh, and the bulk of uh, South African learners can be found in the grade one, two, three, four, five, perhaps, and onwards, and that's really where we need to build that strong foundation right, to increase the number of potential matriculants, and then from there we'll get. Numbers into our universities and, and, and a more larger skill set that will develop out of there uh, for the benefit of our country in the whole. Uh, that being said, you know, I think as well, we, we also got to recognize that uh, at some stage, uh, you know, literacy and, and, and numeracy is of the utmost importance. And we've seen again on this ride what we've done over the few years uh, this, that some learners, or many learners, in fact, are still struggling uh, to get these basic concepts right. And without getting that corrected, it's going to be very, 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 very hard for them to progress further. Uh, and we'll just be lowering our standards in order to try and accommodate them so that we can improve our numbers at the end of grade 12. But let's not, you know, just uh, wish away the impact of technology and the way the world is moving. Uh, looking at some of the uh, you know, other advanced countries and, and, and the type of uh, learning methods that they are and the level at which their students are moving at, if we don't try and see how we can at the same time complement uh, our basics with some kind of technological learning skills, uh, very soon we may find ourselves being left behind uh, and uh, just becoming the, the slaves perhaps to the rest of the world. And we don't want that to happen. We want South Africa to be at the cutting edge uh, and, and we want as many uh, learners as possible to be able to reach those levels uh, so I think a little bit of a balance between the two, and it, it's tough for, for government to do that because uh, on the one hand, there is that amount of resources. On the other hand, there's the amount of mismanagement of funds and, and the looting of the, of the coffers uh, that makes it difficult uh, for schools to get, get what they actually need. But somehow or the other, you know, as civil society, as media, as uh, people in academia, we've got to try and, and help and assist and uh, perhaps correct government where we can. Uh, and push them and steer them in the right direction. 
Okay, so you say we need a balance between the two, um, between um, being up to date with the fourth thing. Your call has been placed on hold. Yes, absolutely. I'm saying that. Whether it is the, uh, the, the, the beginning stages and, and, and numerous illiteracy in the basics, we've got to update on hold. And at the same time, we've got to uh, keep be cognizant of the fact that we need to move as well with the time and skill our learners in that field. All right. I want to read a few comments now. Um, for the listeners, remember that you can join this discussion. Hi, you know how to do that and you can tweet and tag me at Zahi Jadwit and at Salah Media. Facebook comments also welcome and WhatsApp text messages to, uh, to the number 0617660355. A message from Dale says, uh, you, have, uh, you can have the most educated people in the world, but without entrepreneurship, you can't create jobs for those educated people. Just look at Zimbabwe. Their people are considered most educated in Africa, but the country still has a massive unemployment rate. About that, Azhar, does that not challenge the very idea that education is the solution to joblessness? And that I, about that idea, is it correct to have such a belief? In fact, a comment here from Johann Steins, uh, who says, there is only one option, education and it solves the rest. Azhar? Well, there's a common perception among businessmen, you know, to say that if education was the key to ultimate success, then why do professors earn so little in the universities? Mm. Uh, they, they are among the most educated, but sometimes among the uh, most poorly paid. Uh, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, when we say education, I think we've got to look at it a little bit more holistically. Entrepreneurship itself is something that is learned uh, that is whether whether it's in the formal schooling system or through experience uh, apprenticeship. Uh, there's so many aspects uh, and, and and dimensions to, to what education is. So let's not just uh, say that education uh, or entrepreneurship is the is the solution. Entrepreneurship itself is something that has got to be got to be learned. Uh, if you look at the Zimbabwean case, I think there's a number of other issues: uh, the politics of the situation, the, uh, the, the the economy that has been put under pressure from, from outside forces uh, due to the policies of uh, land redistribution. Uh, and there's so much more going on in there than just saying that there are a bunch of uh, uh, learned people that can't seem to get out of their, uh, of their problem and they're still suffering. Yeah, it, it's not really like that. And I think there are, it's, a, it's a more complex issue than saying, uh, you know, uh, people that are well-schooled uh, have made a mess of the country. It, it's definitely not that. Okay, I'm not sure what has happened, but it seems as though we have lost Sheryl Das and Nam Gamso Matatse. Um, really interesting conversation going on around education at the moment. But as just for now, um, while you are here, us. Let me just read a few comments quickly here. Um, one from Zukile Vilemana who says, I just hope that the pass mark will be increased to at least 50%. I mean, how can you be taught 100% and then be told to know only 30%? I think that's a conversation to be made here about our pass rate and whether that will affect skills later on. Just quickly, another one from Irene Modiba. I think she's also talking about how education puts children through a system of learning to work for other people rather than being creators of jobs. Um, um, it goes, we want to know the planned strategies as well as the time frame. We are tired of the lip service. Our education is designed to reduce employees and not employers. Please take note of that in your plans. Um, we want subjects like how to make money. Um, Azhar, just quickly your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think both of these uh, issues require a mental 
change, a psychological shift in South Africa. Number one, uh, you know, the, the idea of the 30% pass unfortunately has uh, dampened the, or, or blunted the capabilities of South Africa's uh, learners. We, 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 we've come to accept that 30% is the uh, accepted standard of, of passing through, and that's just good enough. If I get 31, I've got a state, perhaps some learners may think. Uh, but whether it's 50% or whether it's 30%, mm-hmm. I think South Africa's learners need to be striving for 80%. They need to understand, and that requires you know, an entire societal shift in mindset. Mm-hmm. And we can't be a nation of 30%ers or 50%ers for that matter. We must become a nation of 80%ers, 90%ers if we are to get ourselves anywhere. And if we are going to pull ourselves out of our heart and become the leading nation that we can be, and that's what we need to strive for. Uh, it's no point in, you know, setting our standards so low. We've got to aim very high and, and then perhaps we'd reach, you know, acceptable levels in, in world standards. It can't be that we say even 50% is good enough. It's not. We must be the best that they can be and we've got to lead the example. And unfortunately, uh, that requires an entire societal mentality change. It can't be that I go to a home affairs office and I get substandard uh, treatment there just because, well, the rest of South Africa is like that and it's accepted everywhere else. No, mm-hmm. I need to be my personal capacity performing at peak level, irrespective of what others are doing. And if you all think like that, you know, I need to be the best uh, uh, shop assistant, I need to be the best medical practitioner, the best scientist, engineer, soldier, whatever, then we will begin to lift our country. Uh, in, in, in the Islamic sense, it's the term uh, Ihsan, you know, you. you, you, you you carry yourself forward uh, as if, uh, you know, it is the best. You do the best that you can possibly do. And that is the attitude that we need. Number two, uh, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with the person that we are, in actual fact, producing uh, or mass-producing slaves to a certain extent out of our education system. Uh, if you're just going to become an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer, that uh, with no... Uh, or ingenuity or to, to develop something new, to create your own product, to produce your own system, mm-hmm. uh, then you just become a worker in an already existing system. And at, uh, in, in most circumstances, these systems are controlled by uh, by our former oppressors or people that originate from countries that were colonial in nature and imperialist. Uh, and, and you just become part of enhancing and you know, pushing forward that system. Uh, where are our people that will create their own radio stations, create their own, uh, t- uh, you know, media outlets, create their mm-hmm. own uh, schooling ideas, their, their own uh, production facilities? We must begin to control the means of production as South Africans so that we become less dependent on others and we become more independent. When, when financial crises hit the world, it shouldn't be that, oh, now there's no more containers coming from China of coronavirus and, and and we begin to feel the pinch where are our bicycle producers where are our uh, you know uh, uh, clothing factories uh, our, our steel production we easily can ship these materials out because we don't have the skill set that can uh, transform them into refined products to be sold to foreign markets we need to become that kind of a nation that begins supplying the rest of the world and all of that needs a fundamental mindset change so yes, our current system is, I would say, in agree, designed to, to, to create and turn us into, into slaves 
in a mess, uh, you know, mess kind of uh, uh, structure where we just put into companies, you get a decent salary, and you're happy about that, and the rest of your life will pass through, and you make zero impact to the world. Uh, they'll bury you one day, and nobody will even remember your grave number. That will be the end of it. Or you can work in such a way, start from somewhere, and leave a lasting legacy. But that type of information and skills need to be imparted through our education system, that we are, as South Africans, we have that potential to be world leaders. It needs to be ingrained into our mindset. And that, unfortunately, is not coming through. It's just about finishing the curriculum, finishing the day's work, putting in the necessary forms, giving an exam, producing a mask, and then sending out a student to the next grade and saying, well, I've done my job, I've got my salary, I've got my holidays, and my, my duty is over. And, 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 and the student says, well, I've written, I've passed, I've moved on, and one day I'll become something out there and I'll earn and I'll eat and I'll love. Yes. And that, that's about, that needs to change. Definitely. That's, what we, I, that's what we'd like to see coming out of the South African education system. Mm-hmm. Okay, unfortunately, the lines not getting through to Sheryl Das and Namgamso Ntsatse, um, they would have given quite a good contribution as they've done in the beginning of the show, but unfortunately, we cannot get through to them. So for now, let's um, just quickly wrap up here with this discussion. We are talking education. Um, Azar, please stay on the line while we take a short break and when we get back, we wrap up. Okay. Unfortunately, the lines not getting through to Sheryl Das and Namgamso Ntsatse, um, they would have given quite a good contribution as they've done in the beginning of the show, but unfortunately, we cannot get through to them. So for now, let's um, just quickly wrap up here with this discussion. We are talking education. Um, Azar, please stay on the line while we take a short break and when we get back, we wrap up. Number one, we need to end corruption so that uh, the available resources are you know, uh, properly used. And, and, and that will go a long way. We need to change and work on changing our national mindset. And we need to feed that through the education system, through to our, to our learners. Uh, and I think we need to have a lot more pride as South Africans, as Africans, and as human beings in general uh, living in South Africa. We have to have that, that sense of, 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 of uh, nationality, of sense of purpose, sense of who we are and what we can become and what we'd like our future generations to be. Today we, today we are here and tomorrow we are gone, right? Okay. Uh, but what legacy will we leave behind for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren? Mm. I think that needs to be given consideration too. Okay. Jazakallah so much for your time, Azervadi. Assalamu all right, that's how we come to the end of the show for today. We are we were in conversation for most of this hour of this afternoon with Azhar Vadi, CEO of Salam Foundation, Namgamso Mutsatse, who is a researcher at Stellenbosch University, as well as be as being the head of versioning at Funda Wande. We were also joined by Sheryl Das, who is the regional director of Legal Resources Center in Cape Town. We spoke about the education system in South Africa, what's the current situation, what are some of the issues facing the system, and of course, how can we fix all of this. It's very important that we find ways to fix it rather than just talk about it so you can keep this discussion going off, off, off uh, going on off air. But it's a goodbye from us for now. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon and thanks to technical producers Kanyiso Ziad Milazi and Shazia Zubair. I'm Zahid Jadwit and it's a goodbye from me for now. Listen to something fresh. Listen to Salam Media 107.4.